showtime. instruments he's written some hit songs for some of the biggest names in country music and it was once said that if Merle Haggard and Steven Tyler had a kid it would be him please welcome to the Rosie and Bill show one of the most talented and one of the nicest individuals you'll ever meet Ira Dean Ira welcome to the show oh thanks for having me thanks for having me oh it's, it's our pleasure and I'll tell you we've got I think about a million and a half things we want to try to squeeze into this episode, Ira. But before we do, I'd like to share a story about you with our viewers. And some of you that may have seen our interview a little over a year ago with Heidi Newfield, this may sound a little familiar to you. But um, I'm going to take you back in time to August of 2005, Harbor Thunder in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And Ira was with, uh, with Trick Pony then, and they were headlining this show that also featured Red Akins, Chad Brock, Daryl Singletary. I think Crown Royal might have been sponsoring the tour, and I'll get into that in a moment, because that came in handy during the day. But the reason I want to share this story is the weather leading up to that day in the Midwest was horrendous. And I lived over the border at the time in Illinois and was really looking forward to this event, but there were just serious storms. And up until the day of the show, no one thought it was actually gonna take place. But a few brave souls made their way to Kenosha. I'm gonna say maybe 100, 200 people at the most. And all of a sudden the sun came out, Bobby Pinson came out on stage to open things up and the show went on. And the amazing thing is, despite the fact that instead of thousands of people, there were dozens of people. Every act that night just put on an incredible show. And at the end, Ira and Trick Pony closed and it was phenomenal. But that's not the best part. The best part is I got to have a few crown royals and talk pro wrestling with Chad Brock. I talked a little songwriting with Bobby Pinson. And after Ira and Heidi closed out the show, I got to hang out with them for a little while. And I still have to this day, a hat 
that Ira and Heidi signed. It's been weatherproofed, protected, and uh, still preserved almost 17 years later. So Ira, I just want yeah. to thank you for being a huge part of what was an incredible event and really helped cement my love for country music, which I had gotten into about a decade before that. And I've loved it and been a fan of yours ever since. Well, thanks for hanging on to that hat. I would have burned it by now, but thank you. <laughs> Bill Bill was concerned that you, you might not remember him, but I can see that you remember everything as <laughs> totally. if it was yesterday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got a mind like a steel trap. <laughs> well, Ira, as Bill said, you are a very busy, busy man. You're moving and shaking. So we have a lot of things we want to talk to you about. So I'm just going to kind of, I'm going to go down a list because there's too many for me to memorize. So you can decide which, which jumps out at you that you want to talk to, to our All right. Aaron Lewis's new album, Eddie Montgomery's new album, your single and video, Let It Be Tonight, which is fantastic, by the way, your relationship with the late, great Johnny Cash. Uh, upcoming gigs, how you learn to play 12 instruments, writing and producing, and of course, one of my favorites, daily updates with Missy Elliott. And she <laughs> might make a guest appearance. We'll, we'll oh, see. yeah, she's taking a little <laughs> nap right now. I'll wake her up. Uh, being a proud dad and grandpa. What is like being the offspring of Meryl Haggard and Steven Tyler? Uh, Testosterone. And lastly, what you do in your spare time. So that's a lot. I know, like, that's a I lot. I know. Let's just go down the list. Let's go one by one. Let's go. All right. Aaron. Aaron Lewis's new album. Uh, man, I'm just really tickled that I'm part of that. I wasn't supposed to be part of it. Um, I've known Aaron since 2001, maybe. Uh, we've been great friends, uh, best of friends. And it took 10 years for us to actually write a song together because he didn't want, he doesn't like co-writes. So we started writing some songs together not too long ago. And that evolved into more of a re musical relationship. And I wrote this song with him and Jeffrey Steele called Am I the Only One? And we, I'm just opening an act on the road here and there, but I'm getting ready to head back out February 13th, I think. We, he started doing Am I the Only One live and it started getting standing ovations like crazy like every night. And so Scott Borchetta wanted to do an unplugged record. Uh, fast forward, uh, I get a phone call from Ben Kitterman who's producing this record with Aaron and they got be in the studio the next day. He calls me up, says, can you come in the studio and just watch it all go down? And I, and I had a right that day and I canceled my right to be there at 10 o'clock. And 30 minutes later, they kicked me out of the studio and brought me back in and said, would you co-produce this thing? So I said, sure. And so I got to co-produce this album. I wrote uh, five songs on there with Aaron and it debuted the, uh, the album debuted at number one on iTunes and all formats. Um, man, I'm just tickled to death that uh, to see country music listeners support this album and um, they're buying this record and they love it. And it's just, uh, it never, I'm still shocked about it, actually, you know, for three guys to be sitting in a living room watching the news to write a song to fast forward six months and all of a sudden have the number one album. So hats off to Aaron. I love him to death. I love him to death. Matter of fact, we were just texting back and forth. 
Well, I, I know the first time, uh, Ira, that I heard the song, and then when I saw that it was you and Jeffrey Steele, that you know, uh, it, it was it was easy to tell uh, because the lyrics are, are very powerful. But like you said, you also played a part in, in several of, of the other songs. And uh, I know I've seen on your Facebook page and, and when you first posted about uh, one of the other songs, Everybody Talks to God, I of course immediately went and, and downloaded that too. And that's another uh, fantastic song on that I, uh, as well. I, I wish I would have wrote that song. Uh, a friend of mine, one of my, probably my best friend in the planet, Chris Wallen wrote that song probably almost 20 years ago. And he played it for me. I'd say 17 years ago. And I said, if I ever cut, if I ever become a producer and find somebody to sing the ever loving dog mess out of this song, I'm going to get that cut. And 17 years later, it was the last day of the sessions in Nashville. Uh, me and Aaron were sitting there having lunch, discussing music and religion and the world as it is today. And I said, man, I got this song. You've got to hear. I didn't write it. I don't know the publishing on it. And it's been in my truck CD player for 17 years. And I played him, Everybody Talks to God. And he went, why hasn't that been cut? And I said, I have no idea. Mm. And uh, he goes, we need to go cut that like right now. And so we put down our burritos and went <laughs> in the studio and we cut it. And, and Aaron sings it like he lived it. And um, I, I just love the song. I, I've loved it since the first day I heard it. And uh, I'm just finally glad it landed somewhere. Yeah, well, I think you're right. I think it definitely uh, landed in the right place. And I think Aaron is, is the perfect voice for that song. Same with Am I the Only One. Um, now, that's not the only album that, that you have on, on the charts right now that's doing well. You've got Eddie Montgomery. And I think um, I still miss T-Roy. I know you do, too. And because I, I saw yeah. Montgomery Gentry at least half a dozen times. And for that album to come out, um, you know, Eddie's first solo album since Troy's tragic passing a few years back in that helicopter crash. I, what a phenomenal album. I mean, Ain't No Closing Me Down, Alive and Well brought tears to my eyes. So, so what was it, it still like brings... working with Eddie on that project? Well, I, me and Eddie have been best friends. Me, Eddie, and T-Roy ran together and, and best friends. We're like, we were brothers. We still, me and Eddie talk every day. When T-Roy passed, it just so happened, Troy... It's hanging on my wall. Matter of fact, Troy loaned me his Les Paul because I had a session that day and I didn't own a Les Paul. So I borrowed his Les Paul and it's still on my wall. I got the phone call that he passed in a helicopter crash and uh, immediately jumped in my car, drove to Kentucky, met Eddie, made sure he's OK. And um, fast forward again, um, Eddie calls me up one day and says, hey, man, I'm going to I'm going to do a solo record. And um, what do you say we just camp up and start writing and see what happens? And um, I just wanted to be there for Eddie. You know, he's, he's been there for me. When my dad passed, he was the first one to call. He was the first one to kidnap me off my farm here and take me to Kentucky. So we camped up um, in the studio uh, and just started writing songs and didn't have any direction. The first song we ever the first song we wrote together, we had written in the past. I had a few, I had seven Montgomery Gentry cuts in the past, but the first song we wrote for his solo record was Alive and Well. And that kind of set the bar. It was me, Chris Wallen, who wrote Everybody Talks to God and Eddie Montgomery. And then it became a weekly thing. It's like, what are you doing next week? Let's write some more. So then we wrote um, a few more songs. I ended up, uh, I co-wrote seven on that album. Uh, I played guitar and mandolin on that album. 
Um, and then he came in at the tail end and he's like, you know, all this, all this closing down because of COVID. He goes, I opened up a bar in my garage and I was like, we need to write that. So I was driving home. We didn't write it that day. And I was driving home from writing with him and I called him and I said, listen to this. And I spit out a first verse and a part of a chorus. And, uh, then I had to turn the car around, turn my truck around, go back, meet him and Chris Wallen again. And we finished that. So I'm really proud of that record. I mean, I know how much that record meant to him. And uh, I didn't care if I got a, a song on that album. I just wanted to be there for my brother. And uh, lo and behold, we wrote over half the album together. That's incredible. And the thing I love about it is that you had the wherewithal to know as soon as that inspiration struck to act on it and to go back there and finish it. Well, I never heard that written. I mean, we're living in crazy times when they shut down the whole planet, you know. And um, I knew it wouldn't shut Eddie down because... Eddie's gonna drink and so when he told me he told me he opened up a bar in his garage I wasn't surprised and so I was like nobody's ever written that before we we got it's like being a comedian it's all new material we've never had to write songs about shutting down and opening up bars in your house I was like we gotta write that it's never been said <laughs> now I'm looking behind you ira and i see some beautiful pictures of john lennon and johnny cash let's talk about your relationship with johnny cash um there was no better i mean he was like my mentor he was my second dad um the whole cash family i wouldn't be in nashville if it wasn't for the cash family i was getting ready to go back home and beg for my job back as a maintenance man in north carolina and uh john carter his son heard me play in a bar and at that time, I was driving a Chevette with no floorboard and paying 200 bucks a month for a couch in somebody's living room. And um, he said, man, you can move in with me. And I didn't know who he was. And so he went home and asked his parents. They came back to the bar. Johnny Cash and June Carter walk in. I think they had Waylon with them at the time. And there, and there I am playing. And uh, me and his father became really good friends. Me and Big John. Uh, I can't, I get emotional about it still because we were so tight and there'll never be another one that meant that much to me. He was such an amazing man. I remember he was, he was pitching my songs back when my songs really sucked. I, you know, I was writing some halfway good songs and I remember he called Alan Jackson up personally and pitched one of my songs and Alan didn't cut it and I wouldn't have cut it either. It was horrible, but John believed in me long before I believed in myself. That's so amazing. I owe him everything. We talked about uh, earlier your Let It Be Tonight, um, which, you know, again, tie in with, with Johnny Cash. And I, I imagine that must have been pretty special uh, for you to, to do that song in your way, that, that, that classic song. But the video, uh, a lot of the people that we just mentioned, uh, you know, Eddie's in the video, Aaron's in the video, Kid Rock, David Lee Murphy, Ronnie Dunn. Uh, I know I'm probably missing somebody somewhere, but what was that? There's like? a lot of John Carter found a, over a hundred poems in a drawer that Johnny wrote after he passed. And his idea was to give these poems to artists and let them make songs out of them. And so he called me up to co-produce this thing for Columbia records on volume two. So I brought in Aaron Lewis. I brought in, um, um, 
Blues Traveler, John Popper from Blues Traveler. And I co-produced those things with him. And that's as far as I thought it was going to go. Then um, I played on Jamie Johnson's record, his thing. On it. But we had everybody from Allison Krauss to uh, Elvis Costello, Chris Cornell before he passed away, Willie Nelson. I mean, the list goes on and on. So I wasn't expecting to be on the record. And the last day, John Carter gave me a poem and says, I want you to make this into a song. And it was like four verses. There was no chorus. And um, I had to write the next day. I was just taken back. He actually wanted me to be in there with all these big names. And I was writing with David Lee Murphy at the time. And we weren't writing much of anything. I was, we were trying. And I said, well, listen, I got this Johnny Cash poem. So it's turned into a song. You want to help me with it? And he's like, sure. And so we looked through it and that kind of sounds like a verse. This kind of sounds like a verse. And we threw the rest of it away. And he said, let's write a chorus. So he wrote the chorus to it. And me being co-producer on this record, a lot of people were coming in and the songs didn't sound like a Johnny Cash song. And I wanted mine to sound like a Johnny Cash song. I wanted it to sound like, I mean, he wrote that poem probably in the early 70s. So I wanted it to sound like 60s or early 70s Johnny Cash, that old boom, chicka, boom, you know, play upright on it. And um, so we wrote it, I went in, we recorded it. I, I, I called Allison Krause, had her sing backgrounds with Shelly Fairchild, which was amazing that, you know, the background singers sound way better than me on it. And um, then John Carter called up and said, let's shoot a video. Columbia Records wants to shoot a video. So I just called everybody, I, you know, all my friends I knew. A lot of them couldn't make it because they were out of town. But I was writing with Ronnie Dunn that day. And I said, hey man, you want to be in my video? And he's like, yeah, I'll do it. And then I called uh, the Bone Collector guys that I hunt with, uh, Michael Waddell and T-Bone. They came in from Atlanta. They were the hunting guys in the little pop-up shed. Yeah. Uh, of course, Aaron was in there. Uh, Kid Rock was in there. Me and Kid, me and Bobby go way back. So, yeah, I mean, this was more fun. I mean, except for all that running, I pulled a hamstring. It's like I told John Carter he was co-producing the video. And I was like, can I have a scene where I'm not running? Because I'm old and out of shape. I haven't ran since high school. So, but yeah, no run. cover a lot of ground. <laughs> oh, man, that's all I did was run everywhere we went. And I was like, what do I do here? And he's like, you're going to run across the screen. And I'm like, <laughs> great. And then you had to run all the way back. <laughs> and then run all the way back. And then that scene where Colt Ford's golfing and he's putting. I ran across and I tripped over the golf ball and about busted my butt. I, and uh, I was sore for days. I'm like, I'm getting too old for this. So it was, it was just a great experience. And I, I thank John Carter for uh, bringing me in on that. He didn't, he didn't need to do that. It was just a, uh, he's family. He's family. Well, obviously Ira, he saw something special in you from the beginning. So I'm not sure why you were so surprised he wanted you in on that. I mean, he's been well, in your corner for a long time. When you see names like Willie Nelson and Chris Christopherson and Elvis Costello and Chris Cornell, Ira Dean doesn't blend in, you know, that doesn't belong in there, you know. So I'm hats off. Thanks, you know. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll tell you, Ira, you know, for, for what it's worth, and, and I, I really think you stayed true to that kind of sound, like you said, you wanted that song to have that Johnny Cash sound, and it absolutely did. Absolutely. Well, thank did. you. Thank you. That was our goal. That was our goal. We brought out the old microphones, um, tried to track it like Johnny would, and uh, I was just trying to do the my, my pop-up stairs proud, you know, and I hope mm -hmm. we did. 
I would say so. Now, I have a question because you talked about playing the mandolin. Where mm -hmm. and when did you learn all these instruments? I mean, was that when you were growing up? Were you just like inside all the time? <laughs> yeah, I was. All musicians, all good musicians were socially screwed up because we spend six hours a day in a house where we should be out playing football and stuff. But uh, yeah, I, um, I grew up in a musical family and my dad played guitar, my brother played guitar, but my hands were too small. So my first instrument was actually as a drummer. I went to college, had a, a partial scholarship to Southern Illinois as a drummer, as a jazz performance major. And so when I came to Nashville, and everybody was using me as bass tracks. They thought I went to college as a bass player, but I didn't want to tell them anything different. So when I first came to Nashville, um, I was just trying to make a living. So if anybody needed anything, whether I knew how to play it or not, I was going to learn it in a week before we went on the road. And so that's how I ended up playing all these instruments. In college, I had to take two years of piano for, for uh, jazz performance major which I never finished, but um, I play piano, play guitar. Um, I play dobro, I play drums, B3, steel, mandolin, um, whatever, whatever it took to, to get a gig. I was starving. I was, you know, making 30 bucks a night at this little club in town. So I was lying left and right saying I could play whatever. And I, I still don't know if it's 12. I mean, Warner Brothers counted them one day and said it was, I don't know how many instruments, but yeah. Yeah. You do what you got to do to make a living. Well, obviously you had the confidence in yourself to, to get it together that fast when you were lying. I was just stupid. I was just <laughs> stupid. I was like, you know, if you don't know what your, your boundaries are, if you don't know where it's, how long it's supposed to take you to learn an instrument, if you don't know those boundaries, you, you make up your own. And I remember I got the gig for Tanya Tucker and I was her bass player and she said, you went to college for music? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I did. And she's like, so you play upright bass? And I was like, I didn't want to get fired. So I said, yeah. And she said, great, bring it out next week. We're going to bring it on. Uh, we'll do a, a thing in the show. So I went and bought an upright bass. And I asked Johnny Cash's bass player, Dave Rowe, I said, can you show me around this thing? And I practiced for six hours for a week till my fingers bled, literally bled. And I brought the upright bass out there and we never used it, ever. And I was so mad that I learned to play this thing and we never used it. So when Trick Pony was formed, um, our first song we ever wrote was Poor Me. And I said, hold on, I got to go get an upright bass. And they're like, why? I said, because I'm going to play this on something. And so we wrote that song around the upright bass part. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember that. That's well. a great story. Yeah. So you, you talked about, Ira, in terms of the, of the instruments, but... You, you've really come a long way in terms of a writer. And, you know, I really, as a very amateur, you know, writer myself, uh, I just have so much respect for that. And, you know, you and, and Jeffrey Steele, and, you know, to get to that level, how did that process or that transition take place? Like you said a while ago, you know, your first cuts, you, you thought they weren't that good, but you've got- They're what, not. Dozens and dozens that have been cut. I mean, one in every crowd and, you know, so many other huge hits. How did that transition take place? And was there a moment or a song that you think made the difference? Well, I started writing songs when I was about 12. And my dad would actually, my dad was a kind of 
uh, he cracked the whip. He would wake me up from a dead sleep and say, we're writing a song today. And I was 12 years old writing songs with my dad. I came to Nashville and I thought I had everything together. I thought I knew, I thought I was good, but I realized I wasn't good. I mean, the best songwriters in the world live here in Nashville. And so um, when Trick Pony formed, you know, we got signed to Warner Brothers and all of a sudden every songwriter in the world came out of the woodwork to write. And Keith was married. Um, Heidi was busy doing her thing on the off time. When, when I was off the road, I wrote, I was in a studio. I mean, I live and breathe music. I love it. I love this business. I'm so happy I can make a living at it. And um, so like David Lee Murphy, Chris Wallen, Jeffrey Steele, um, Rivers Rutherford, Aaron Barker, all these great songwriters, I camped up with them and they helped me hold my craft. I mean, mm. I've learned so much from these guys and, and later on the band would end up breaking up, but I never lost my songwriting buddies. You know, I always wrote songs and pretty soon people started cutting them and I got lucky. I mean, I hung out with really great songwriters. I always, I always been told if you don't know how to do something, hang out with really people that know what they're doing. And, and thank God, you know, the, the Jeffrey Steele's and the Chris Wallens and the, and the uh, David Lee Murphy's of the world in my little circles have stuck with me this whole time. And I, you know, pretty soon people started getting cut my stuff and then my name started getting out there and then, other artists call and they you know, like Ronnie Dunn. I've been writing with him over the last three months. Word gets out, you start writing with people. I'm just, I'm just happy that I, I, I get to do this. I'm happy I get to wake up every morning and grab a guitar and, and go off to work. That's not too shabby. That sounds like a good life to me. <laughs> I'm very, I'm very blessed. Yeah. I, 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 think I think God every time. Success is loving what you do. Yes. Yes. Ira, what do you have coming up? What's going on? Um, what's going on right now? I got to write with Ronnie Dunn some more. Um, I'm Aaron, uh, Aaron Lewis's opening act. I go out back on the road um, and open for him. I've got to head to Florida for the Everglades Seafood Festival. I'm headlining that. I get to play my show there. Then I'm going down to Muscle Shoals to famous fame studios. I'm starting my new album. February 22nd. I'm going to cut one last album before I retire and just write songs and produce. And um, I'll be all over the United States with Aaron or by myself playing shows and writing with people and doing what I always do. I'm going to be doing the same thing I was doing at 21, just playing music and having fun. Well, wait a minute. Don't gloss over one more thing before I retire. So wait. <laughs> Well, you know, it's a young man's game. It's a young man's game. Unless I sell a million units, you know, and they, you know, it's just, um, I'll do one more album and I'll, I'll reevaluate it from there. How's that? Okay. okay. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, but when I, I think the other thing is though, when you've got, like we said at the very beginning, you, you've got your hand in so many things and it's like you're, you're drawing from each of these experiences and, and just working with such great people and you're raising your game to new levels. So you know, I know Tom Brady just made news with retiring, then unretiring and retiring. So, you know, he broke the mold of doing things a lot longer than you're supposed to do in football. And, you know, we've, we've had some folks on like a John Cowan, 
you know, he, he's still doing amazing things and hitting notes that, that people can't he, hit. He's a monster. He is a monster. He's a freak of nature. Yeah, <laughs> he absolutely is. But that's what I'm saying. There, there's still time to, to keep perfecting and honing that craft and keep doing what you love to do. So uh, I'll be I'll be right until they put me in a box. I mean, I'll be still pushing the pen and making things rhyme. And I'll probably still be in a studio. I'll probably croak in a studio. But <laughs> like I said, I love this. It's, it's all I've ever wanted to do my whole life. Um, and it's all I want to do. And, and uh, it's, it's just, a, I'm blessed. I thank God. Like I said, I thank God every night. And that isn't just a saying. I really do thank God every night. I thank him for the blessings every night. Oh, that's great. Well, we are so happy that you came and talked to us and we wish you well this year with all the things you have going on. And we'd love to end the show with one of your videos tonight. What do you think about that? That sounds like a winner. And I want to thank both of y'all too for having me on your show. I know it was like, uh, I didn't get the email in time and stuff, but <laughs> I made it. I made it. I swear. That's all. That's all that matters. And uh, hey, how's, how's Missy Elliott doing? Is she still taking a nap? No, I just Aww. woke her up. I just grabbed her little butt. There, there she, she is. is. Hi, Missy. Say hello. Oh, oh. There she is. <laughs> My little bus dog. She is beat. I just I just got in town last night, and she was at the dog sitter. So we've been up all night hanging out. That She's my cool. buddy. But folks, before we take you to 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 uh, Ira closing out the show, let me just encourage you that you need to go to Ira's Facebook page and watch the daily updates that come out occasionally from Missy Elliott. It's amazing the words that come out of her mouth and the incredible things she says. She's a very talented dog. Yeah, she's got a foul mouth. I'm trying to correct her on it. But uh, <laughs> and she looks so sweet. <laughs> she is. She's so awesome, aren't you? You dang oh. right. Um, you can go to my Instagram page too, Iredeen Base. It's the one with the little blue dot. Mm -hmm. Go to that one too. Okay, wonderful. I got friends. I got like five friends. I need more friends. <laughs> that sounds like mine. <laughs> Ira, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. I'm great we had a chance. It's, it's great we had a chance to catch up after almost 17 years since the last time I saw you. So we're and we're looking forward to hopefully having you on again at some point down the road, maybe talking about that new album that comes out. Anytime, anytime. And thank you for having me. Seriously, thank you so much. Next time I'll be five minutes early. Oh, no worries. And we're we we really enjoyed talking to you and we look forward to seeing you again. Folks, thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Hello. Hey, baby, it's me. Hey, babe. Tonight's the night. Mm-hmm. Wear that jacket I like, okay? <laughs> you got it. Oh, and I left you a map. Good luck. All right. I was jumping up and down like a shortstop. Chewing my gum like a car hop When I heard that you might reconsider me My heart was running like a freight train My mind was flying like an airplane And inside I was crying like a baby Let it be Let it be tonight Get back where we
like a dish rag, head hanging down like a handbag, wondering if I could ever make it right. I got another shot for a new chance, brand new song for a new day. 